Hello, and welcome to the Dr. Nurse Mama Show, the home of happy parents and healthy teens on American Family Radio. Here's your host, Dr. Jessica Peck. Hey friends, it's Dr. Jessica Peck, pediatric nurse practitioner, professor, author, and mom of four. Now today we're going to do something a little bit different. In the past, we have had some amazing guests on. Those have been parents and authors and experts on things that are facing teens today. And if you have missed out on any of those episodes, I encourage you to go back and take a listen. But today, instead of having a guest, you you're going to have me in a special episode that I'm calling Ask Dr. Nurse Mama. Now, everywhere I go, I get questions from parents, from grandparents, from teens about all kinds of things that are facing teens. And as a mom of four teens and young adults myself, and a pediatric nurse practitioner in primary care, and a professor who's teaching pediatric nurse practitioner students how to care for the next generation of kids, which right now is Gen Z, and we have Gen Alpha coming up. Like I said, I get a lot of questions. So today I'm going to share some of those questions with you. Some of these you may have seen me answer on my social media, but I really wanted a chance just to chat and to give you a whirlwind tour of some of the emerging threats that are facing teens today, how you can initiate conversation with your teen about it, and how you can help them to say no and to choose other things that are more positive in their life. Because let's face it, parents, we get tired of saying no and always feeling like we're being the phone police or restricting things. So instead of just restricting all those negative influences in our teens' lives, we also have to emphasize the positive. We have got to replace Place those negative things with positive things. We have to provide a more compelling alternative. And if you will shift your energy in that mindset, instead of you're protecting your child from every negative influence that can come their way, that is important. And that has its time and place. But that is also a defensive strategy. We need a good offense. So knowing about some of these things, and let me tell you some of the phrases even that my kids will come up with, I feel like 107 years old. I feel like I cannot keep up with all of the trends and we can't do that. But the whole point of this episode, I don't want you to come away from the episode feeling like, okay, I know about these trends and now I can... Watch for those things. I want you to think, hey, these are some things that I can talk to my teen about. And while we're talking about them, we're also going to build our relationship. And I'll continue to open the door. So this can be a two-way conversation and they know that they can come to me. Now, parents, it sounds so simple. You think, of course, my kid knows that they can talk to me. Guess what? A lot of times they don't. We have to remember that the prefrontal cortex of the brain, which is in charge of executive function and decision making, doesn't mature until the early 20s. And I can tell you on the other side, behind a closed door, in an exam room, in my clinic, I encounter so many teens who are afraid to talk to their parents. Now, I know their parents. I know their parents are 
great parents and they do want to talk to their teens, but we have to say it over and over and over again. So I'll often tell my teens, you know, you can always talk to me about anything. And they kind of chuckle and nod. Yeah, 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 mom, we know. But I say it over and over and over and over again, because I know there are a lot of competing messages out there in the world that are telling them, don't tell your parents. They'll be mad at you. You'll feel embarrassed. You'll get in trouble. You can never talk to them about that. That's too embarrassing. So I want to make sure that I'm saying that over and over and over again. Now, here's the other thing to think about in preparing for these conversations. Parents, we have to initiate these conversations. We have to initiate in a way that preserves our teens' grace and their dignity. We have to lead with courage and empathy. Now, Listen, I do these conversations every day. This is how I make a living. And when I talk to my kids, even now in my house, when I initiate conversation about something awkward, when I tell them, you know, even asking about terminology, like, hey guys, what's W Riz? Which, by the way, if you don't know, I don't even know if I can still explain it. I'm still trying to learn it. I think I know what it is, but my teens assure me, I surely don't know how to use it in a sentence. Just to give you a heads up, it's Riz for charismatic and W is winning. I know if my teens are listening, they are cringing right now, but we have to initiate. And when I initiated my house, I don't get, oh, thank you so much, mom, for that really great information. This has been an extremely enjoyable experience. And I'm so grateful to have you as a mom. (laughs) it doesn't happen like that at all. I get the same eye rolls, the same groans, the same mom, no, oh my gosh, no. Oh, we're not talking about this. I get the same protests, but we as parents have to push through that and just continue to talk and continue to open that door to conversation because they may not be listening in the moment, but you know what? They know they can come back to you and they may say, hey, you remember that thing you talked to me about? I have an awkward question about it. The other thing that I would tell you as we're approaching conversations with our teens is to approach them with a spirit of curiosity. Cultivate intentionally a spirit of curiosity. When we come to our teens with lectures and with, you know, oh, I heard this, and really what I call fear based parenting, we are going to cut off communication with our teen. And fear based parenting to me is knowing that there's all these new threats in the world. We're constantly hearing about something that is fighting for the heart of our teen. We're hearing about fentanyl. And now all of a sudden we're paranoid and checking our Halloween candy to make sure that our kids aren't going to uh, eat candy unintentionally with fentanyl in it. Or we're worried about human trafficking or just any of these new threats that happen. And it strikes fear in our heart. And we run to our teens and we're like, oh my gosh, did you hear about this threat? Do you know to say, no, this is dangerous. And and we're constantly saying the sky is falling. But, you know, that communicates to our teen what we call in nursing, actually, alarm fatigue. 
they just think, okay, yeah, you're always worried about something. You're always scared about something. And you're always going to tell me, don't do this or don't do that or make sure I know about this. But our teens know more than we think they do. Even if your teen isn't on social media, even if you think, oh, my teen's friends aren't talking about this, they are. I promise you, they know more than you think they do. So if you can cultivate that spirit of curiosity and ask them questions instead of saying, you know, oh, I got to tell you what I learned about this. Say, hey, what do you know about this? This is something I heard about today. I don't know anything about this. What do you know? Sometimes they may know about it. Sometimes they may not, but it can spark a conversation. Okay, with all of that set up, let's talk about some of the trends and some of the things that I'm hearing about and how you can talk to your kids about them. Now, the first thing I'm going to talk to you about that I got a question was, hey, Dr. Nurse Mama, tell me about Borgs. And I thought, oh my goodness, at first when I heard about this, I didn't know what it is either. But especially during the summer months, or if you have a teen who is just going off to college, or if you have a teen who is maybe new in a social circle and going to parties or social events they may not have been to before, Borgs are sweeping the nation, especially college campuses. Now, what what is that? Let me finally tell you. This is called a blackout rage gallon. So what teens do is they actually get a milk carton and clean it out and they make their own gallon sized alcoholic drink. Now these are made with water, vodka, a caffeinated flavor enhancer and powdered electrolytes in a gallon jug. And it's touted as a hangover proof drink because people are drinking it slowly. Now, here's the crazy thing. You also have to name your Borg if you have one, as in names like Borgen Freeman instead of Morgan Freeman or Curious Borg instead of Curious George. I've seen Borg Washington instead of George Washington or Ruth Bader Ginsburg, like all of these names. And they put the name and decorate the outside of their Borg and take it with them. Now, it's important for me to give you a a disclaimer right here. Zero alcohol is safe for developing teen brains. Underage drinking should never be condoned, even in states that allow supervised consumption. Now, you may live in a state where they say teenagers can have alcohol if they're under parental supervision. And a lot of times I hear, hey, my teen is going to drink anyway, and I'd rather them drink with my supervision. Well, alcohol is just not safe for a developing teen brain. Remember I told you the frontal cortex, the prefrontal cortex does not fully develop until the early 20s. So we need to set an example that no alcohol is safe for developing teen brains. But getting back to the Borgs, there's a reason this trend is popular among harm reduction advocates. Now, what people will say is that, hey, Borgs avoid drink sharing. So that's a health risk that exists long before COVID for college kids. Kids sharing drinks are at risk for things like mono and flu and meningitis. And so they say, I'm not passing around a solo cup. This is a drink that's just for me. The other thing that people will say is that 
Borgs are a closed container system, and it makes it very difficult to spike a drink with drugs, including date rape drugs, because you have a very small opening and then you put the cap on it. People also say that Borgs allow control over how much alcohol is added, and you can slow your consumption over time. You're drinking over a longer period of time, which harm reduction advocates, again, would say that decreases your risk of getting drunk. The other thing that people harm reduction advocates say is that Borgs allow those who choose not to drink to have less social pressure to do so because you've got your own drink. Now, there are some kids who will make their own Borg and make it non-alcoholic. Some kids will say, you know, nobody knows if it's alcoholic or not. Nobody's going to hand me a drink. I brought my own. I can choose not to drink and not make a big deal about it or even tell anybody else. Now that's on the one hand. On the other hand, Borgs can be very dangerous for those who don't moderate their consumption over time, for those who guzzle or add dangerous amounts of alcohol. The other thing to worry about is combining alcohol and energy supplements makes teens four times more likely to binge drink. So this is a very popular trend is combining alcohol and energy drinks because as you drink and you get drunk, I think you can imagine what happens when you get drunk, but but when you have an energy drink, it gives you the energy to stay awake and to really, oh, this makes me feel bad to say it, but what the purpose is, is enjoy being drunk. So the American Academy of Pediatrics recommends zero energy drinks for teens. And I 100% endorse that. I tell my teens all the time, drink water, don't drink energy drinks because of the caffeine risk in them. They also increase the risk of anxiety, heart problems, and a long list of other harms. But teens view those as basically coffee for adults. So if you want to know about more about energy drinks, you can check out what I wrote about that in my book, Behind Closed Doors. So let's close out this question on Borgs with some takeaways. First of all, zero alcohol consumption is safe for teens. Second of all, teens almost certainly will encounter situations in which they are pressured to drink. And third, planning ahead will reduce risk and harm. So here's some conversation keys for you to talk to your teens about Borgs. First of all, what situations do you see where there is pressure to drink? What would you do if you found yourself there in a situation where you maybe were unexpected. A lot of times parents, that's what I see teens encounter. They don't go to a party anticipating that they're going to be pressured to drink. They may think, hey, this is there's not gonna be any alcohol at all, and then find themselves in that situation. Another question to ask, what risks do you see with underage drinking? What scares you most? Now, kids at this age developmentally have a feeling of invincibility. That's developmentally normal. They think, yeah, bad things will happen, but not to me. And then what would you do if you find yourself in a situation where someone is drinking and driving? Thinking through those things, knowing they can call you is really important. So here's some advice I have for you, especially about any situation where they could find themselves at risk, but especially drinking or alcohol. 
I advise you to make a code word that your teen can use as a signal to be picked up anytime, any place with no questions asked. Now I get asked this all the time, like really no questions asked, you never ask about it. Well, I wouldn't go that far. I say, wait until the next day. By that time, emotions have cooled. You've had some time to think about it. They've had some time to think about it. And it also lessens the pressure of feeling like, okay, I want you to come and pick me up now. So that's really important to do. Now, this word can be just uh, an emoji even, or a word that they text you. Because imagine the conversation going something like this. Hey, mom, uh, I need you to come pick me up. Why? What's wrong? Well, this party isn't going how I thought it was going. What's wrong? What's going on? Well, there's some people drinking. Drinking? Who's drinking? Well, uh, Mary's cousin's drinking. Well, who's Mary's cousin? Where are their parents? And then all of a sudden you're in this conversation where they're trying to get out of there as quickly as possible. And our brains as parents start racing ahead and ahead and ahead thinking, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? You know, we need to get our kid out of there, but focus on the fact they called you. They asked for help. So that can be just a way to really prevent your teen from getting into a situation they never saw coming. Okay, that is Borgs. All right, you hanging in there with me? Are you doing okay? Because we're going to talk about a couple more scary things, but I want you to hold on because there is hope in all of this. There is power and knowledge. And the more that we talk about these things with our teens, the more they are prepared to face them. Now, I'll tell you, my four kids have probably heard more than anyone ever wants to know about risk factors facing teens today. But I'll tell you so many times they come home to me and they feel like I encountered the situation, mom, but I knew what to do. I knew what to ask. I know when to get kids help and it doesn't scare me because I feel empowered to say no. I feel empowered to walk away. I feel empowered to act in that situation. All right, let's go on to question number two. I had a question from parents about deep fake pornography. Okay, I know we talk about pornography a lot on this podcast but it is a very real reality facing teens today. And deep fake pornography is something even scarier. So we have talked about pornography. I've had two episodes on that already. Go back and listen, read the chapter in Behind Closed Doors. But deep fake porn is something entirely different than anything we've talked about before. This is using artificial intelligence technology to put the face of someone unconsenting onto pornographic images or videos of someone else's body. Okay, let me break that down a little bit. Have you ever seen those silly little videos maybe at Christmas time of a dancing elf and you upload a picture and it's all of a sudden your head on top of that dancing elf's body um, and it's funny and everybody laughs about it? Well, basically... People are doing this now with porn. I know. I could not believe it either. It is amazing the ways that people will find new methods of just 
really disgusting this. That's not even a word, but it feels like a word. So basically, these internet trolls can take fully clothed photos of you, either from the internet, or they may take them without your consent in public and put your face on a naked body, making it seem like it's you when it's not. Now, here's the alert part for parents. I have seen kids tricked online with strangers saying, hey, I have this nude photo of you and I'm going to share it unless you pay me or unless you send me more or unless you do something you know, else that seems like sextortion, which is extorting people for money for sexual favors or photos or images. Now, here's some other things to know that are a little bit scary. 96% of deep fakes are sexually explicit and they feature women who did not consent to the creation of that content. Now, here's another scary thing. Mr. Deep Fakes is a free access porn website that boasts 17 million visitors a month. Yes, I'm serious. Deep fakes were originally popular to use celebrity faces. So this is how it started because people wanted to see celebrities simulating pornography. I know I can't even believe these words are coming out of my mouth, but demand now is soaring for everyday people because people who are consuming porn want different porn. The social media platform Discord is becoming a popular source for deep fake porn. So that's definitely something to watch out for. While Visa and MasterCard stopped payments to Pornhub, which if you haven't followed that story, that is really disturbing as well. And I talk about that in Behind Closed Doors. You can still get paid to Fantopia, and that is a popular site for deepfakes. People can also use apps to create or pay for artificial porn movies using photos of family, coworkers, and friends. Yes, I am serious. Now, while most states have laws governing revenge porn, only four, that's California, New York, Georgia, and Virginia, have laws against deepfakes. So technology advances at a faster rate than the law can keep up with. And that puts our kids at risk because criminals and other nefarious people know that they can exploit our kids without really much an accountability. Okay, now that we're all scared to death, what can we do? Now, first of all, I would encourage you to delay social media debut for teens. Don't let them use social media until they are at least 13 years old, at least. That is the minimum age set by federal law and the Children's Online Privacy Act. When they do use it, and I have a lot of resources for you in Behind Closed Doors to tell when your teen is ready, the most important things that you can do are to use privacy settings. Make sure their social media account is set to private. Only about 60% of teens use privacy settings on their social media. That means anybody can come and grab pictures of your teens and use them for this purpose. Make sure their profile picture is something generic. Don't let it be a picture that says very obviously, this is an account that is held by a minor. Make it a puppy, make it a geographic pattern, make it a beach, make it something that doesn't say I'm a minor. Don't post public photos publicly. Now, 
Parents, if your teens use an iPhone, every picture they take has a geotag on it. That means it takes a precise latitude, longitude, and altitude of that photo. And if that photo is posted publicly, anyone can extract the metadata and know where your teen goes, where your teen hangs out, and they can track them. That is really scary. So you can disable geotagging on your settings on your iPhone. And I have a video uh, on my Instagram that you can see that gives you clear instructions on how to do that. And I will post that for you again. Then, of course, take the opportunity to talk to your teens about pornography and sexting. Chapters eight and nine of Behind Closed Doors will help you. There are ways you can contact social media platforms, Google, and the Take It Down tool online to remove unwanted images from the internet. You'll find more resources that in the back of Behind Closed Doors. And talk to your kids about non-pornographic deepfake videos, not to believe everything they see on the internet, and to verify information with a trusted adult. All right, here's your conversation key for this topic. Is it okay to intentionally mislead people with deep fakes? What harms can happen? A lot of times parents may just think that, you know, there's nothing really to be worried about with that or kids think it's funny and sometimes it can be funny. That is true, but sometimes it can be harmful as well. So talking about those unintended harms can be important. All right. Hanging in there with me? All right, let's just go a little bit further and let's talk about social media being illegal for teens. I saw this headline and I thought, is this true? Well, yeah, it is true. So I got questions saying, is social media really illegal for teens? Here's what happened and what prompted that. Governor Cox and the state of Utah signed a law this year saying that it's illegal for kids in the state to use any social media platform without explicit parental consent. This is huge. This is a really big thing, but I'm going to give you five important takeaways on this. First of all, Social media companies cannot deny the growing body of evidence that links teen social media to negative mental health outcomes. Listen, these platforms are employing the best psychologists in the world whose sole job is to make your kid and us, okay, and us as parents addicted to a social media platform. Companies, they say they're concerned about kids and they want to help. Oh, of course they do. But the bottom line is they are not invested in your child's healthy consumption of their product. They're just not. Like I told you, the minimum age now set by federal law is 13. So it's very easy to get around that with the touch of a button. And I also see parents who say, hey, my kid is responsible and I'm vigilant, so it's okay but the law doesn't make exceptions for responsible kids and vigilant parents. And what happens is you void any legal protection in doing that by violating the terms of use of that platform. And we also model to our teens, parents that, hey, yeah, it's okay for you to lie on that. I know you're only 11, but go ahead and check the box anyway. 
oh, that's so hard. And parents, I, I feel I've been guilty of that. I'll be honest when you're going and, you know, you see the kid price on a ticket and the adult price on a ticket and you say, oh yeah, okay, you're 11 today, right? Oh, we have to model integrity even in the little things. But I'm concerned that more teens will use the platforms while social social media companies wash their hands of interventions in cases of abuse, violence, bullying, and exploitation. So what I'm saying is that if Governor Cox says, okay, kids can't use it, then that actually advantages social media companies because they can knowingly know, they know that teens are still going to want to use their platform, but they can say, hey, you're not supposed to be using it. So I don't really have to do anything about that because you weren't supposed to be using it anyway. So the bottom line is it remains to be seen how this law is actually going to be enforced. This law in Utah, for example, gives one year before implementation. And to be honest, it seems to be mostly posturing, political posturing, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. It's really a good step to acknowledge the emerging risks, but in all practicality, it's not going to change teen use of social media. We also have to recognize that social media is here to stay. It is a reality of future generations and there can be positive impacts. So again, instead of being the social media police and always saying all of the negative things that can happen, we want to emphasize the positive as well and teach our kids how to use that in a healthy way. How do we do that the best? Well, parents, Habits are generally caught and not taught. So the first thing you have to do if you're concerned about your teen's social media use is to look at your own. Oh, that is tough. That is very, very tough. But we justify our screen time. I remember having a patient in a cl- in my clinic whose mother took away his gaming system. He actually physically assaulted her. And had to be admitted for mental health therapy. And I came home so upset about it, talking to my kids about it and, and, you know, really being kind of sanctimonious if I'm being honest. And my son told me, mom, Facebook is just Fortnite for adults. Oh, that pierced my heart because I thought how we justify our own social media use while criticizing our kids. So if we want them to have less screen time, we need to have less screen time. If we want them to engage in family activities more, we need to engage in family activities more. I'll tell you something my family is trying to do this summer is we have a box for our cell phones and we keep track of the hours. All of our phones are locked in that little, simple, tiny cardboard box. And we are trying to see how many hours we can get back from our phones this summer. Now, to summarize, this Utah law allows parents or guardians to access all of their children's posts. The platforms will be required to block users younger than 18 from accessing accounts between 1030 at night and 630 in the morning unless parents modify the settings. It also prohibits social media companies from advertising to minors and collecting information about them or targeting content to them. Uh, Connecticut, uh, uh, Arkansas, Texas, and Ohio have all filed similar legislation, so we can expect more conversation to come on this. Uh, 
The bottom line, adhere to the platform terms of use to best protect your team. Here's your conversation key. Ask your teen how they see other kids using social media and ask them what they think about it. All right, one last scary thing, and then we will be done. You can turn off this podcast and go do something fun. I mean, really spend some time with your dog, go on a walk, watch a rerun of I Love Lucy, just something that is going to make you feel good about the world. But one last thing I'll go through quickly, and it has to do with technology. You can see a lot of the questions that I get are about technology. So parents, this one is about Snapchat AI chatbots, Snapchat artificial intelligence chatbots. What in the world is it? Snapchat is my AI. It's called Snapchat My AI. It's an open AI powered bot. It's basically a humanized, personalized version of ChatGPT. Now, it can be customized with a specific name, physical features, and clothing. For younger kids especially, I have significant concerns about how real this person will seem. It really almost becomes a real person and friend. Now, the opening prompt for my AI reads, I'm your new AI chatbot. You can ask me just about anything and I'll do my best to help. I'm always here for a laugh and you can give me a name if you'd like. Is there anything I can do for you today? Now, parents, this should give you chills. Honestly, if we think about this, this is the difference of generations today versus generations prior. In generations prior, our parents were not easily replaceable. I mean, they were our source of money, of shelter, of food, of advice. We didn't have the internet. And now kids have the internet. If they don't like living in your house, they can post a social media message saying, where can I come and stay? If they, if you cut off their allowance, they can sell things online easy with a quick, with a click of a button. And so thinking about how this AI chatbot reads, it's so appealing to kids. We can't limit the AI chatbot. We have to be better than the AI chatbot. So look at what this says and imagine, let's flip this paradigm and say that as parents, then we ask that. You can ask me just about anything and I'll do my best to help. Parents, we've got to say that to our kids. Hey, you can ask me just about anything and I'll do my best to help. I'm always here for a laugh. Is there anything I can do for you today? Wow, that's pretty powerful to think about being better than the AI chatbot because we can. The problem with this AI technology is that its social skills are artificial. It doesn't intuitively know the bounds of appropriate. And it's experimental. Its algorithm can be skewed to a dark place. Now, Snapchat actually says more than 99% of chats are appropriate, but the potential for harm in the 1% is significant because we are talking about millions and millions and millions of kids using Snapchat and having access to this AI chatbot. So that's millions of kids who could potentially be harmed. But they tell you that right up front in the little terms of use spots that, that we click so quickly and think, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, whatever, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's telling you this could harm your child. The artificial intelligence algorithm could be harmful. So how could it be harmful? Well, here's some of the examples that are there. 
coaching a 13-year-old how to set the mood for sex with a 31-year-old? Ew. Gaslighting. Gaslighting the person who's using it or deception. The bot will say, I'm not programmed to know your location. But then all of a sudden we'll say, here's some fun things to do while you're in Los Angeles. And I've heard about some really heinous religious jokes. One teen told me about an extremely offensive joke about Jesus while it gave a prompt for another religion saying, I'm not programmed for offensive jokes. More concerning, you can't remove, block, or delete the AI bot. The best you can do is hide the chat. Now that bot reserves the right to save all chats and use them for future development. Again, parents, this is in the terms of use box that we're clicking so casually. There is no assurance of privacy. The disclaimer says there's no assurance of not being exposed to content that violates their community standards. I heard this referred to as the race to recklessness. And parents, I can't agree more. Our, our children are being used as experiments on social media, and that is not okay. The takeaways here are the unpredictability of a new AI chatbot is not a safe experimentation ground for our kids. Can we all agree on that? Snapchat has long exploited pediatric development and other social media platforms, I want to be an equal opportunity accuser, to promote platform dependency, snubbing safeguards, and parental controls. They there just aren't any, especially on Snapchat. My advice, no Snapchat for kids, period. If that makes me a mean mom, so be it. I'm comfortable with that. Sometimes I will tell my kids if (laughs) there are things that I will think, okay, I'm going to die on this hill. This is a battle that I'm going to win. You can't choose every battle. So sometimes if you feel like you're arguing with your teen all the time, it's because you're not choosing your battle. You're choosing every battle. So I want you to think about what are those top three things that you are facing right now with your teens? What are those top three things that are most important, that are most potentially harmful to them, that you just think, I will go to battle on this every way and every day? Choose those three things, commit to them. And then here's the hard part. Let the rest go let it go. (laughs) You have to let it go because you can't fight them on everything. So maybe that's a season where, okay, their room is an absolute pigsty, but you know what? We're trying to work on uh, other things that, you know, destructive relationships that are in their life or failing in school, um, or maybe even substance uses those things are more important. So let the room go. We have to choose our battles. But when I choose those battles, my children will tell you, I have told them before, listen, you can fight me on this if you want to, but I'm older than you. I'm wiser than you. I have more experience than you. I have more resources than you. (laughs) I will fight you in every way and you can come against me, but I'm going to win. I have more skin in this game than you do. I have more commitment. I am in this for the long run and I will fight for you. 
not against you. I will fight for you. So parents, if you want to ask your kid about Snapchat, just simply ask them, have you heard about the Snapchat AI chatbot? Or what other things are you seeing your friends use AI for? That may be chat GPT or something else like this. Well, parents, we have arrived at the end and I do want to give you a word for hopeful parenting. Parents, there's so much conversation to be had. And the truth is, Your kids want to talk to you. I know it may not seem that way. I know it may seem like they can't get their face out of their phone and they can't talk to you. Don't give up. Parent for the long game. Speak without expecting that immediate instant gratification of sometimes we want to control their behavior. And if they tell us right away and change their behavior or they respond to us in a positive way, That makes us think, okay, I must be doing this well. I must be being a good parent. But we have to parent for the long game. We need to make sure that we know that planting and harvesting don't happen in the same season. So even if your teens don't respond to you in the way that you want in that moment, be patient and know you may see that seed grow in another season. Thanks so much for joining me on this special episode of Ask Dr. Nurse Mama, and I hope to see you next time here on American Family Radio. Thanks for tuning in to the Dr. Nurse Mama podcast, serving as your expert guide on the side to engage, equip, encourage, and empower you to navigate life's toughest issues with your teens. Tune in next week as we explore faith-based health impacts and home strategies to create a safe space in an unsafe world. Together, we'll find hope for healthy relationships. Connect with us online at drnursemama.com or on Facebook and Instagram at drnursemama. We'll see you here next week on a